Okay, here we are, back on the Hit Factor. Today, we have a good show. We got Jared Fox, myself, Jeff Cawthon, and our guest, Casey Reed. Casey, thanks for coming on. Yes, thanks for having me. Glad to be on. Casey is a USPSA Grandmaster. He's also a development engineer at Federal Ammunition, and he has been a longtime competitor. What's your website says since 2011? Yes. Is that right? 2011. Yes. And won Nationals, L10 Nationals. With a production you, gun. Yeah. Did you shoot that minor? Were you shooting yes. minor at that match? Yes, that's I was. awesome. Yes. Yep. <laughs> All right. That's notable. That is notable. <laughs> uh, but Casey's got some really interesting stuff going on uh, as far as like online training. So I kind of equate it to a lot of what you see in like the fitness industry. There's a lot of people doing online training, uh, doing programs, personalized training type stuff. So Casey's kind of the first one that I've seen do it to this extent in the in the shooting world. Uh, it looks like to me you've put a ton of work into this thing uh, as far as making videos, uh, creating programs. Uh, do you have an app? Um, it, so True Coach is an app, but we actually recommend the browser version. Just go on the internet and use that. The app has a couple different quirks, has a couple different uh, features that it has, but we don't really like it. So we actually recommend to not use the app, but you can. Okay, cool. But anyway, yeah, it's super cool stuff. So we're going to we're gonna be getting into that and a couple other topics, but I think it's going to be really interesting. So I think uh, Jared has the outline for the show today so i'm gonna hand it off to squatch so uh to start with casey on the on the true coach can you kind of give us like the uh five minute rundown of what it is how would you explain it to somebody yeah yeah absolutely so so true coach was born in the fitness industry and i uh, kind of like jeff mentioned earlier the fitness industry is huge in these in these like personalized programs, right? You're seeing it pop over all over the internet. Hey, buy my 12 week program, buy my eight week muscle building program. Um, they have actual personal training now, you know, um, remotely. And so this is what this is what where True Coach was born. It was made for personal trainers to to teach their clients, right? Um, and so we brought this platform and we saw fit in the shooting industry. Uh, specifically the action shooting sports, right? That's my niche is, is USPSA shooting. So we decided to bring this true coach platform into shooting um, and basically make drills, make an entire database of drills, create programs for people based on skill level and uh, kind of give that user um, that sort of personalized training uh, coaching experience um, online. So that allows me to reach more people um, across the United States, across the world. So traditionally, how this sport has done in the past is you travel and you go teach a class in person, right? I got 10 guys signed up for this class. I'm going to go teach these guys for a day or two, right? And so I wanted to uh, bring it online and because uh, I, I want to reach more people. Um, and so it's not necessarily like an exact one-on-one -on -one training. Um, it can be that way. Um, I do offer one-on-one -on -one training, but the, the True Coach app specifically is made for, hey, th these are programs I'm going to program for you. You're going to do them. There's uh, there's demonstration videos of, of me doing every drill, showing you how to do it. There's part-time goals. 
there's uh, procedures about to do everything. And it's kind of letting the user go at it and uh, just just do the drills, figure out their techniques, and just learn, right? And I'm there for feedback. I'm there to help them if they need help. So it kind of gives them that sort of personalized one-on-one coaching for a good value. And it can be done anywhere. So I got guys from Canada. I got guys from Arizona. I got guys from Minnesota. So that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, we can get into more details of why I think it's good and you know other other features of it. But that's kind of like the the rundown of it. Okay. Well, we'll start with the first thing there. So you say programming is, you can be one-on-one or it might not be. So let's say take your, I think your average shooter in USPSA is probably like B class. So do yep. you have, you have like a program that you, if someone signs up and says, Hey, I'm in B class. Do you kind of have a standard program or do you review yes. or, or do you yes. start somewhere? So, yes. So when they sign up, they put in what their skill level is. So if it's a USPSA B class or A class or whatever it is. And based on that, I, I have a certain program set up specifically for that skill set, right? So that, that's kind of how I do it. So if someone signs up as a D class, he's going to get a different program than the guy who signs up as a GM. So it gives you kind of that personalized feel without being actually personal. So it is yeah. still kind of personalized, but it's still a balanced training program. Like, I don't think everyone needs specifically a specific program. Uh, think of like team sports, right? Think of like, uh, for example, hockey. The coach has, you know, plans their their, their workouts, plans their, their practices. Not every single player has a personalized workout, right? So they're today they're going to work on four checking. Today they're going to work on this. So that's kind of the way this is like, hey, you guys are... B class guys. So we're going to work on this. And this is what I think you guys should be working on day to day. So I, I kind of feel like, uh, when you talk shooting, when you talk about like everyone doesn't need a specific thing, I think generally speaking, like if someone needs to work on something very specific, then they probably really have a good idea on what they need to work on. And they probably understand training where sure. what, yes. what I'm, what I'm seeing here is that I think it's, probably a good mix for the guy that's like overwhelmed. He reads a book. He has no idea what to work on. And he actually just needs someone to tell him like, go do this. Uh, exactly. There's, there's tons of information out there already on drills, right? You can go pick up any book from Ben's books to uh, Steve Anderson's books to anybody's books. Right. And there's just a plethora of drills you go on YouTube, social media, anywhere. And you can find a hundred different drills, but how do you put it all together? Right. Um, I know me, when, when I started the sport, I was overwhelmed. I had no idea what to work on. I see all these different drills. And so I just started randomly doing drills. And that led to inefficient training. Um, I mean, I still progressed, obviously, but it took me a lot longer than I, I could have if I had an actual training program. So this is just putting it all together so you don't have to think about it. You just show up and do the work. Yeah. So this is both live and dry fire, correct? Yes, it can be used for both. So let's say uh, on a, you know, when you start talking like fitness, like a workout of the day is going to have, you know, several things to do. So your, yes. your training of the day, like what's that typically look like? Like how many drills and like what kind of mix? Say, say uh, day three for, for a D class shooter, what's the workout yes. of the day look like? So most of my workouts start with the warm up. Um, uh, and my, my warm up specifically is for all skill levels and it's worked on trigger control and it works on indexing. Um, so that's just a quick, nice little warm up. It can be done, you know, five, 10 minutes. It works on some strong hand, weak hand, uh, trigger control as well. And then it can usually, I, all my workouts are, are five, five different drills, right? And so 
They range from all different fundamentals that I think are important, from transitions to the different gun handling skills, strong hand, weak hand stuff, movement, which in you know entry, shooting the move, uh, position entry, and that mix is kind of based on your skill level. So as a D class guy, like like kind of like you mentioned, I would probably you know a, a couple more drills towards the gun handling side, and you just like draw on the gun, um, some simple transitions, and then maybe one movement drill. And then, you know, some other, uh, like maybe one more drill that's transitions or, or unloaded starts, um, easy draws for strong hand, weak hand stuff. And as you move up the, the, the ranks and get to GM, you may be a little more biased towards movement, shooting on the move, the harder entries, the exits, things like that. And then does the live fire and the dry fire kind of go together? Is it like when you, when you're putting a program together for somebody yep. is it is it expected like hey, you're dry firing three days this week and you're live firing once or what's that side of it look like what's that mix? no 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 no. you can do as many it it, it fits all lifestyles so i i'll provide you a workout seven days a week 365 days a year and you can use that however you see fit if you're live firing that day do the workout live fire if you're dry firing that day do a dry fire hmm. you're not even giving people christmas off no christmas is heartless yeah yeah so no i mean there is no mix i mean obviously from other people talking i'll tell you i'll I'll dry fire five to six days a week and i might live fire one or two days a week but not everyone has the same access to ammo um access to the range things like that so i don't really give any you know hey you have to do this yeah so i think what uh what i really like about it is it's it's like a a way for people to to skip that curve. You know, a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to figure out the one like their low-hanging fruit, right? Yes. They they try to figure out what their low-hanging fruit is so they can dial in on it. Well, this is like it seems like it's it's a lot more focused on bringing just like the overall level of the shooter up. Yes. So you you've got you've got a program spread out over all these different skills yes. and organized uh, yes. by way of trial and error on your part. But it kind of shifts their attention, right, away from trying to fix little things to bringing their overall level up. Exactly. Exactly. I see that way too much in training. Guys are like, hey, what am I bad at? And like, hey, I, I think my movement's bad. So I'm, for the next month, I'm going to go focus on movement. Yeah. But then they end up only f- training movement. And then their transition skills lack. And then their other fundamentals just lack. So I'm giving you a, an overall balanced program that's going to make you better overall as a shooter as a whole yeah 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 i think that's awesome oh i think as we said earlier as you progress you're going to have a better idea of more specific things you need to work on as well mm-hmm. i mean like let's say the workout of the day is draws and in reloads well if you're if you're already slamming like sub second draws and reloads all the time and, and you know that your transitions are awful. Well, maybe you're going to focus on transitions, but sure. you, I think you got to get enough baseline skill there and enough understanding of what you're doing in training. Yes. To understand that too, because yes. I, I don't know about when you guys were new, when I was new, I thought, I thought, Oh, I can shoot pretty well, but it's this movement that's killing me. Yeah. Well, no, really I couldn't shoot worth a shit. I just thought I could. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. And so I see that a lot even with, with, with new shooters is they, they neglect some of the other skills because they think they need to only work on this. And so then they're already behind the curve on some of these skills, you know, a year or two later. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That's, that's a, I think that could help a lot of people. Uh, yes. Just like, yeah. just like wading through uh, the, 
the issues of trying to figure out where to start, right? You've done all the yep. work for them. Exactly. Trial and error. Also, I, you know, looking over your website, I also noticed that you, you do set, you can do a live session with people as well. Yes. So can you kind of break down what that looks like? Yeah. So that is through Google meet and that is, um, that is my actual one-on-one training. So that allows me to, once again, to access anybody in the world, you know, um, I have my availability right there. Easy, easy to see. You, you can book a session with me. We can go over match video. We can go over technique. We, I mean, you can sit there and dry fire live and I can watch you. There's a lot of different ways you can use that tool. Um, I specifically like the video, uh, like watch a match video or watch some sort of video of you practicing because I can do playback features within YouTube. I can do frame by frame. I can do slow-mo. And it really allows me to break down the video and work through things with you. And it's nice because it's in a like conversational setting, kind of like a podcast, right? And we can talk through the issues. If you have follow-up questions, we can talk through it. It, it makes it a really good way to teach. Right, yeah. I, also I be a good almost, way, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I, I almost like it more so than actual one-on-one on-the-range training. Because, like I said, it allows me to see slow-mo, frame-by-frame. We can really break down some certain techniques. Yeah. It, you know, like seeing this stuff in the, in the last couple of years, I feel like shooting has gotten much more modern as far as like people truly using video. Yes. And, and what kills me on it is like when I was a little kid watching a football game or something, like they were already basically doing the same stuff, like in the booth, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're just going to now catch it up to be like, you know, this technology exists. We should probably use it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So the next thing that I expect to see is like in the fitness industry, we're going to see some Casey Reed shooting, shooting transformations. Yes. <laughs> Be like you someone. will see that. I actually already made one with a student of mine. He started in the beginning of January. Yes. Uh, he, he was, he's a, uh, like a C class. He's only been shooting the sport for a few months and uh, his draw and his gun handling skills within three weeks are astronomically better and he's been training awesome. five six days a week so you will see that stuff yeah there's gonna be like those those youtube videos you see from people in like russia and stuff yeah it'll be like uh they'll like i started my fitness journey and it's like all in captions yeah it's like i started it four years like a four-year transformation of them getting jacked yep exactly. <laughs> it's gonna be like exactly. that but shooting yep yep <laughs> At least quit helping John get so jacked at shooting because, you know, I got I to gotta compete against him. Yeah, yeah. John hasn't missed a workout since he started, which he said in his post. He hasn't dry fired more than three days in a row in like three years. And now he's he's been dry firing literally every day since he's had it. So it's it's pretty good. Can, can awesome. you add like a workout of the day for him that's just like set it around, drink uh, bourbon and smoke all day or something? <laughs> <laughs> that's the cool down. <laughs> right. <laughs> so do the the times that the workouts take change depending on what level you're at or is it all the same time frame or No, so I don't put a t- I don't put a time limit on them. I give you the, the the drill set and you can fit to your lifestyle. So um I recommend 5 to 10 minutes per drill so that equates, you know, 5 6 drills including the warm up it goes from a half hour up to an hour, right? Depending on what you want to do. Um if you only have 15 minutes, maybe you truncate it and you delete a couple of drills or you only do each drill for three minutes, but I don't give a specific time. But like I said, I recommend five, 10 minutes per drill. Have you mixed in like any sort of other training, like outside shooting training, like 
any sort of coordination or agility drills or anything like that? So that is, that will come. I'm, I'm already working on that. So the actual fitness part, um, whether it be agility, strength training, whatever, I'm working with some people and that will be an option for you guys soon. Mm, that'd be freaking cool. Yeah. Yes. I think it's, I think the, the fitness thing has been neglected in the sport for a long time. And I think someone needs to do something to bring it to, bring it to life here in the sport. Jeff did that for me last year. He told me I was fat and I lost like 20 <laughs> pounds before nationals. There you go. Perfect. I think you're right though. I think, uh, when people start incorporating that more, like it's more standard, I think the level of the sport will be elevated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you guys imagine how bad we would all look if you had like true professional caliber athletes competing with us? Like yeah. Tom, if Tom Brady shot for the last 20 years instead? Oh, yeah. <laughs> could you exactly. imagine how terrible we would all look? Yeah. And, and, and so that's how I view training, right? It's like, like who, what professional sport athlete actually builds their own training program? No one. Right, like yeah. they out, they have a coach that builds them a program. Like, like professional hockey players to baseball players to, you know, any sort of athlete. They show up. They already have a coach that has a workout for them. They do the workout, so that way they can focus on technique. They can focus on getting better. Yeah, you know, our sport is like we walk downstairs and we're like, "What do I do today? Do I draw my gun for a little bit? Uh, maybe I'll do some reloads. Oh, I'm done." And that's what I see all the time. And so. Yeah that was the point of this is to like, you don't have to worry about it. Like you just walk downstairs, put your dry fire shorts on, put your belts on and get after it. Yeah. So there's all, there's already a huge advantage for people doing this. Like you've, you've taken half of the mental effort out of it that you can exactly. focus, you can focus into your technique and effort. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, let's be honest, 99% of shooters have a full-time job. Yeah. And so you spend all day, you know, draining your, your, your brain on your job. You come home. What's the last thing you want to do is try to design a, a dry fire program. And that, and that causes people to not train. They're like, man, I'm tired. I don't know what I want to do today. So they have either a bad workout or they just don't train at all. And so this just cut, like you said, cuts that whole half out. You literally just open up your phone and it's right there. Yeah. You just get to work. Just get to work. Yep. Hmm. Some of the things I find interesting too, like looking over your bio on your website, yep. is you know you mentioned that you're largely self-taught mm -hmm. and that you come you come from an engineering background, obviously with your yep. you know schooling and your employment. So, how do you feel that your training is probably different than a lot of people because of that? Um, different as in I had to analyze everything, right? And that's the way my brain works as an engineer. I analyze everything. So that allowed me to build this, these type of programs was because I was able to analyze what's important, what's not important, how to make it efficient. And so that's helped me create, you know, the, the, the true coach workouts, but also my own training. But at the same time, it's very inefficient and very slow. Like, I think someone can do what I did half the time. I'll be honest with you. Like, I, yeah. I regret not taking classes. I regret not seeking out help. Um, I thought I was very bullheaded and I was like, Oh, I can figure this out. I'm just going to watch YouTube. I'm just going to, I'm just going to buy a couple books and do this and do that. Watch social media. And I did that. And it worked. I mean, obviously it worked, but it took me a long time and not everyone can do it. I had to put a lot of effort in and I trained a lot of hours of, um, wasted, not, not wasted training, but inefficient training because of it. 
Yeah. So in regards to your personal training, so over the last few years or so, is designing yourself a program like at the beginning of the year something that you've done? Or are you more of like a do it every day, figure out what you're going to do kind of guy? Well, that's the way I was doing it until I got these true coach workouts going. Now I actually use the true coach workouts. Um, right. And so that's what I was doing. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to work on, I need to work on this. Here's some weaknesses. I'll try to work on this. But eventually when you do that for, you know, nine, 10 months, I noticed that there was significant training bias that I was doing even on myself. And I think that is one other huge advantage of this is everyone, regardless of skill level, has some sort of bias. People gravitate to work on the things that they're good at and what they want to work on. Um, and, and that happens at the, the C-class level all the way up to the top 10 nationals, guys. It happens to everyone. It happened to me. Um, and so I find myself not progressing because of that because I start to gravitate towards things that I'm just good at and I don't really want to push myself, especially as I become tired, burned out. I've shot you know, tons of majors and I'm getting ready to, to, to just to be done. Yeah. And you, you lose perspective, right? If you're, yes. if you're trying to yep. just figure it out every day, you don't get to see big picture. You don't get to see, am I hitting all these skills all week or all month kind of deal? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And so for me, I've been using the, the, the true coach workouts since beginning of December and I've noticed how much bias I've had in my training, like what things I'm doing now. I'm like, wow, I, I did not ever work on backwards movement. I never worked on, you know, hard entries that often. I never worked on stronghand weekend stuff. And it's like really, really showing. In fairness, I feel like strong-hand weekend is one of those things we all work on when we're like looking at the matchbook and like, oh, this stage is going to have strong-hand. Like, I'll do that exactly. this week. No, exactly. You work on it like <laughs> twice a month. You know, and that's why everyone sucks at it. Everyone's like, oh man, I'm just bad at the skill. I can't figure it out. Well, it's because you, you don't work on it. You spend all your time doing drawn at seven yard targets and trying to hit a 0.6 par time, you know? <laughs> that's just one example. That's just one example. <laughs> no, I think that's what everyone cares about is like how fast they draw is. Yeah, and reloads. I mean, I, that's what I did when I first started training in 2012, 2013. I had no idea what I was doing. I sat in my apartment. I was in college and I just drew as fast as I could and I'd reload as fast as I could over and over again. I didn't work on transitions. I didn't work on movement. Didn't work on any of that stuff. I, I had no idea what, what I was doing. Yeah. That's awesome. So with with the branching into the training stuff here, so yep. are, you also, are you also planning on doing instructing and teaching actual face-to-face classes as well? Or are you going to stick purely to like online true coach stuff. Um, I'll do both. Yeah. So I actually, I have been doing one-on-one training um, in person for a couple of years now, just to local guys in Minnesota. But I think I'll try to expand that. I'll try to maybe even do a few classes. Um, I've, I've only done one or two classes and they both have been in Minnesota, but I like to try to expand and do, you know, at least two or three a year. Well, this be a good year for, you know, ammo sales are really slow and everything. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure if I brought like two cases of ammo to the class, I could probably get anybody to sign up <laughs> just, to, just, just, just to give away. Right, yeah. <laughs> Who's this case to read guy? I don't, I don't want to train with him, but he's got ammo. <laughs> Charge extra for the class, but you supply the ammo. Exactly, yep. There you go. I don't think we can have you on without talking about, though. 
You got to tell us about 2018 Limited 10 Nationals. Okay. Just walk, uh, us, walk us through this. Let's see. Okay. So I shot Production Nationals the match before. So that was the year of nine days of Nationals, if you guys remember, where you could shoot three matches in a row if you wanted to. Three days each, nine days in a row. I, I chose to do two. Shot Production mat- Nationals. Had a pretty mediocre match. I think I took like six or sevens. Um, and then I went to L10 nationals and I had the same gear and I was just out there to have fun, you know? Um, and so I, I shot a fantastic match. I, I shot the same gear. People told me I wasn't good. I wasn't going to win. I was an idiot for shooting minor. Why are you wasting your time? Either borrow a limited gun or go home. Right. <laughs> and, and, uh, that, that's kind of what I was told in a way. And Man. so I was like, I don't really care. <laughs> I honestly don't care. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to send it. I'm going to have fun. And that's what I did. I mean, obviously I took it seriously and, and I wanted to do well, but I didn't think that I actually had a shot of winning because people told me I didn't, but that, that proved right there. Um, how much mental game is, is, is definitely a part of it. And so me going out there and not worrying about anything and just having fun and just shooting my game, I actually shot to my physical capability and I had the best match of my life. Yeah. I'll say it. That's just what it was. Right. Yeah. Match your, yeah. You had the best match of your life. I think, dude, I think a lot of people that finish lower in this sport are completely capable of, of finish, finishing like top five, top three. Absolutely. Uh, yep. But yeah, the, the mental side of things just people can't get over it. No, it's, 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 it's a whole other skill in itself. Yeah. And, once you learn to harness it, it can be pretty, pretty good. And that's why, you know, you see a lot of the guys who do win, they win more often because they, they know what it feels like. They, they, they've yeah. done it so they yeah. can replicate it easier. Right. Rather than the guys who've never won, they don't really know how to do it. Yeah. I think the huge thing about that though, is like winning a match where major is allowed shooting minor. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember what you won by, but just shooting minor was like winning by 5%, which is a pretty dominating nationals yeah. performance. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, no, it was a great performance. I, sh- I mean, if I would have shot that way, I mean, we could always play the what, what if game, right? But if I would have shot that way at production nationals, I mean, I, I could easily won that match. I think yeah. just the way I shot every, every you know, every, everything just kind of fell into place. I mean, I obviously made mistakes. I didn't shoot perfect, but you don't have to shoot perfect. No. Yeah, man, just that that mental relief, and yes. you can see it in some shooters. Like they've been shooting for years, right? And they yep. they just always kind of finish mediocre. And one year, like something will click with them or something, and they'll finish ten spots higher all of a sudden. And you know, from that point on, they're a contender. Uh, exactly. Yep. Yeah, you'll, you'll I see mean, it just was, click. So, 2015 is when I took my first top ten. Um, I was just a master, and. I, I wasn't supposed to take top 10. I was beating guys that are way better than me. Right. But I didn't, I didn't have the pressure on me. I, I was 2015. I was only three, four years in the sport. I was just shooting with my friends from Minnesota. I had zero care in the world. And I took top 10. Yeah. Right. And then the next year I shot on super squad and man, the pressure was insane. I, I was shooting with Ben Steger, Max Michelle, Shane Coley, all these different guys. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God. And pressure got to me. Right. And, I sh- and I shot like shit. Like I shot terrible. Yeah. Right. And so that just shows you how much mental game can, can yeah. really affect you. Yeah. Yeah. That whole time you're just thinking like, you're just trying to like kind of prove that 
that you should be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. I, 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 I do deserve to be here. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. weird because, like, you know, in 2015, I shot on a squad where, you know, I, I probably was the best shooter on the squad, and you know, and that gives you confidence. And then you go to super squad and you become average. Yeah. If not, if not below average as, as your yeah. first time, you're shooting with guys who've been on the super squad for 10 plus years and you're just walking on there now. And I was 25 or 26 years old. I had no idea. I mean, I was scared out of my life. There's cameras, <laughs> there's cameras at me. Like right, John yeah. Scouten's in, like give me interviews after and I'm just like shaking. I'm like, I don't even know what I shot. Like, I don't know. Did I shoot 10 no shoots? I have no idea. <laughs> it, it was bad. <laughs> So that that was 2015, is that what you said? 2015 is when I took top 10, and then 2016 is when I won the Super Squad, yes. Right. For the, for the first time. And then outside of that, I mean, I think you've been pretty well, like, top 10 since then, haven't you? Yep, yep. And then, now, obviously, you started out shooting, or focused on production. And yep. since Since then, you've transitioned to limited as your primary division. I mean, mm-hmm. what's the plan there? Are you sticking to limited? Or are you sticking with production or coming back to it? I mean, so I'm shooting limited right now. Uh, I will be attending world shoot. And so I plan to shoot limited this year to finish out world shoot. Um, and then we'll see, we'll see. Um, I like to go back to production. I do love production. It's where I shot many, many years up until 20, you know, 19, but carry optics is also heating up as a division. We'll see, we'll see there, but I love production. I love iron sights. So I could see myself probably going back to production, but we'll see. Be honest. You're like the rest of us. You just like it because you don't ever break anything in production. Like you shoot the same gun all year. You clean it like one time and that's it. Dude, you're exactly right. (laughs) You're exactly right. That's why I hate limited. It's because 40 beats the crap out of my guns. Um, I'm breaking stuff all the time. It's just, it's just bad. Nine is so easy. I can find ammo easier. I mean, for me, I work at federal and that still is a thing for me. Like when can I get, I can get 90s and then I can get 40. So I get ammo easier. It's less hard on the guns. It's more fun to shoot. Less problems. It's just awesome. I, I love nine. Wait till you go to carry optics. So you, you still don't break the gun. But the dots, like you'll just be shooting. You'll be like, yeah, this dot's going really well. It's got like 5,000 rounds on it. Yeah. Then you go out and practice one day and like five rounds in, it just dies. Yeah. See, I'm not, I'm not all about that. Next one, the last 500 rounds. The one after that, the last 25,000 rounds. You just never know. No, that I, I hate that. So if you guys didn't know, I came from a competitive paintball background uh, with the inflatable, uh, you know, bunkers and whatnot. So we all had like, you know, $1,500 guns with $500 hoppers and whatnot. And those guns broke down like every second. And so <laughs> what, when I came to USPSA, I was like, I want to shoot something that's easy. And so I, I bought a Glock 34. I could just beat the hell out of it. And I didn't care. I want something that wasn't gear intensive. Yeah. So you shoot Tanfos primarily, right? Yes. Yeah. So if you shoot CO, are you going to shoot Tanfo? Uh, I, don't they make a stock two? Isn't a stock two legal now? Optic? I think they yeah. do make one now. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, think so. so I would shoot that. Yeah. And you you shoot for EAA? Yes. Employee, right? Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> I, I thought you were <laughs> asking a dumb question there. <laughs> 
No, yeah, we'll I shoot for EAA. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that out of the way. So you shoot for <laughs> EAA, federal, obviously. Uh, yep. who, who else do you work with? Uh, Shooting Sports Innovations. Uh, let's see. Arms and Arms is a local gun shop here. And Ben Sticker Pro Shop. Oh. I you can ask him where he bought his holster and stuff next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where'd you <laughs> <laughs> So, so do you shoot S and B ammo, or do you do you use federal? Next. Yeah. <laughs> next, next question, Jared. Mm-hmm. Moving on. I think it goes without saying. So, coming from a paintball background, I mean, how much of that do you think impacted you know shooting? Obviously, that stuff's going to be pretty athletic. You know, you're running around everywhere. Um, you know, how much of that? How much of that translated over to shooting for you? Yeah, I think like what you just said. I think the athletic part of it definitely translated um well when i first started shooting i was terrible at shooting kind of like 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 everyone kind of is but i was good i was actually okay at moving like those were skills that were that elevated me pretty quick so i could move i could enter positions i could leave positions like okay uh and then as i started to develop my shooting skills then i progressed pretty quickly after that See, if you'd have just started in limited, it would be just like paintball. You're just spraying bullets everywhere, and eventually yeah, you hit something. Exactly. Just spray, just keep moving. And that's, I should have did that. I should have just went to open or limited and just, just did the same thing. It, open would have been perfect. Those things also break all the time. You'd have to work yeah. on it, like, constantly. <laughs> nope. Nope. Could have got, uh, got you one of the, a, a double double finger trigger on there. Yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> is that allowed? I don't know. I don't know if I you mean, want any, to be. Yeah, that, that anything goes in open, though. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's why it's called open. Yeah. Any, anything somebody goes. should do that. That would be awesome if somebody did that. I some feel mad, like that would be some really mad dangerous. splits, man. Just oh yeah, <laughs> like just eight splits, nine splits. <laughs> So we obviously uh, won't keep you too long. So uh, where can people find your, your true coach at? Like where do they go to, to find you and sign up for this? Yeah, sir. Go to www.caseyreadshooting.com. And then they have, there's a true coach there. They can see the promo video. They can see the one-on-one training. They can see the frequently asked questions of like why you should sign up. They can do some research on me. So it's all right there. Easy to access. I bet you even give these people a free trial, don't you? I do. It's a, they get a th- three-day free trial. Um, so, I mean, you got nothing to lose. You might as well try it. <laughs> and then uh, if people want to check out your shooting, uh, where can they find you online uh, as far as you know, Facebook, Instagram, that stuff? Yep, Facebook is just Casey Reed. Instagram is Casey The Reed. Oh, Casey The Reed. Casey The Reed, yes. Um, I am more active on Instagram. And Facebook, and I will be. I've been kind of updating my my YouTube channel with like old older match video and just kind of updating it. But I'll be I'll be posting. We we have a, a series of technique videos that we did as well, and we're gonna be releasing those on YouTube. So I think YouTube will start to be a good channel for me to release new content. Um, so anybody who's part of the True Coach thing or just anybody who wants to just see see content, go to the YouTube page as well. Yeah, I think you. I think you had some of those linked on your uh, website, if I'm not mistaken, from looking around on there earlier today. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, we got like four technique videos out right now. I think we have a library of at least fifteen, sixteen of them. So we'll be releasing those slowly out this spring and summertime for you guys. 
Jeremy just messages that he's sorry he couldn't make it. Like we're like wrapping up the video. He's like, sorry, I can't make it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff, you got anything uh, ending points here? Keep them coming. I'm just I'm just getting started. <laughs> oh yeah, we were going to talk about ice fishing. Oh I yeah, was, dude, we almost forgot. So I understand that you're far better at ice fishing than you are at shooting. Oh, definitely, definitely better at ice fishing. Yes. Although last weekend was not good. I was up on Lake of the Woods. If you guys don't know Lake of the Woods, it's near, it's on Canada. It basically shares with Canada. Um, we went for some walleye, some pike, and we only caught, I don't know, 20, 30 fish, keeping only about five of them. So it was not a good weekend for us, but it was fun. We drank some beer. See, I, I thought that was the whole point of ice fishing was you go sit on the lake and drink beer. Well, I do both. I drink beer and I catch fish. <laughs> That's what makes me a GM in ice fishing, right? You got like the, the B class guys, C class guys who, you know, drink some beer. They, they maybe put a rod in the water and they, they, they attempt and they maybe catch a fish or two, but like I catch fish and I drink beer. So they're, they're <laughs> kind of, they're, they're kind of there to have fun and not really concerned with the results. Well, so, so am I. And they just, they just have to like fishing's luck <laughs> and kind of in a way I'm there expecting nothing, but if, you know what, if I catch some fish and I get on it, then it's good. It's a good day. So on a good day, how many fish do you catch? Uh, man, it depends on the lake, but if you go to Lake of the Woods or like Red Lake up north with this, you know, a lot of walleye and it's a good time of the year, like, man, I'll pull 30, 40, 50 fish in a day. Like, oh, like how long? How long do you sit out there? All day. And how much I beer mean, do you take? <laughs> a lot. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. Like I get out there at like seven, eight AM and that beer cracks right away. So, so, and Jeff, so yes. You've you you've seen me sit down and put beers down before, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have no doubt that that Casey would absolutely have at least as many beers as I do in the same amount of time and be just as functioning after. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds like a good uh, YouTube live series we can do. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Casey's Hotel at Area 3. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your beer of choice for walleye fishing or fishing in general? Definitely Bush Light. Bush Light. That was, a dumb, light. That was yes. a dumb question. He's just north of Iowa. Of course he's going to drink yes. Bush. They don't yes. have anything it's the beer else. Of the north. It's the beer of the north. Okay. <laughs> AKA Bush Latte, if you guys actually want to know. <laughs> Bush latte. Yes. See, the only people that drink Bush Light down here are serious backwoods folks. Mm. I guess we're all backwoods folks up here in Minnesota then. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. What? But like, isn't beer culture a little different up north? Like more people drink up north, I feel like. Probably. I, I, think, I think that's fair. It's a fair statement, especially Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin are just a bunch of drunks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I yeah. have friends from Wisconsin. Yes, they can out drink me way, way easier. Yeah. They are they are good at drinking. We so in my college house, that college, half of us were from Wisconsin, half of us were from Minnesota, and we'd have the beer Olympics where we create events and it'd be Wisconsin versus Minnesota. Wisconsin won every single year. No, no problem. Back home. Those guys are good at drinking. Also, also bush lattes. Yes. Well, 
they're clearly a lot better at drinking than they're at football. Oh, uh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so you're fishing. You have like, do you have the fishing camper rig? You were telling me in uh, Jeremy about it at Nationals. There's like these campers that you drive out and they just have a hole in the bottom. Yeah. And you- so think of like a camper, like, a, like an RV, right? And uh, mm-hmm. they have holes in the bottom. So like you can like, so my dad used to have one. Um, I don't actually own one, but yeah, it's like 16, 17 feet. You pull it on the ice. It's got hydraulics where it lowers down to the ice. You drill your holes. I mean, a house can have up to, you know, eight, nine holes. And it also depends on the size. Yeah. And you sit in your shorts and your t-shirt and you sit in like 65, 70 degrees and you just fish and you drink beer and you eat food and you play games and you catch fish. Man. I mean, it gets to the point where like you don't actually have to jig with your rod. You can put what's called down a rattle wheel, and it's basically a line that goes down, and it's got like this little drum with the line around it. And if a fish takes the line and pulls it, it it spins the wheel, and there's a bell in it that jingles. So like you could sure. be, I don't know, taking shots with your with your buds because you're playing a drinking game, and like the wheel starts going off, and you're like, oh, there's a fish on that line. We should go over there. We should get it. And boom, you do that. <laughs> And you can do that while you're sleeping. So you you go to bed at night and then you right. can wake up at like 2 a.m. because the wheels jingling. So that, that, that is like the ultra plush way to do it. Um, right. But we don't actually do it that way. I have what's called a portable, which is basically just like a flip over soft side house. And it's, it's comfortable. I mean, like you can fit two people in it easy. Obviously, you can fit all, all the beer you want in it. And you just kind of hang out, drill your holes, and you just sit there and jig and fish. And it's super easy to pack up and move. Right. So do you end up having to like hike to location or do you just like drive right out to where you want to do this? Yeah. So most of the big lakes, they have plowed roads. And so you pay like a $10 access fee to this road and you can drive out. So like last weekend we were up in Lake of the Woods and we, we drove, you know, we drove out, I don't know, 12 miles out in the lake. And then you can kind of pull off in different offshoots. It, it, it kind of depends on how much snow there is. If there's like not much snow, you can basically go wherever you want. And then, you know, what was, as soon as the snow starts to pile up, you're, you're kind of limited to the plowed roads. So yeah. you, could, you could drive on the plowed road and you kind of pull off off the road a couple hundred yards maybe and you kind of plant right there. You were 12 miles from land onto yes. a frozen over lake. Yes, 12 miles. Dude, that's crazy. My Isn't wife crazy? would freak out. She would freak <laughs> out if I drove her 12 and, miles. And it's crazy. Like this lake, I, there's hundreds of people out there. I mean, it literally looks like a city. Like you, you really? drive out there and there's just like wheelhouses, campers everywhere, just scattered everywhere. How thick is this ice? Uh, right now, it's about 20 inches, 20 inches to 24 inches. And there's one ton trucks out there with dual axle trailers out there. Like big, big rigs sitting on 20, 24 inches of ice. I don't think it's been that cold in Kansas City to get that much ice in a long time. Yeah, it probably won't. So yeah, as soon as you start hit like that twelve to fourteen inch mark, you'll start to see small cars and maybe some half ton trucks. And then once you get you know twenty and above, is when start, some of the big trucks start getting out there with the big campers. Dang. So that, that the, the best time to fish is actually early season, which for us is usually December. 
when it's like, you know, four to eight inches and you get four wheelers and you can kind of walk out there. Uh, and so that's not so, it's not so hit. It's not hit so hard by the, by the people, you know, the, the more people that go out there, those trucks drive on those roads constantly, it kind of turns off the fish in a way. So yeah. if you can get out there like early ice and you can go fish like right away, man, the fishing is just phenomenal. It's awesome. And that's what we do in Minnesota when it's cold. We dry fire and then we go fish. <laughs> hey, that that's pretty cool. Cause there's like Oklahoma, it gets cold, like where you don't want to go outside. You know, like in the twenties, in the thirties. Yep. But it does not get cold enough to do anything fun. <laughs> not, not like that. Yeah, Minnesota gets so cold that you can actually have fun. That's right. The best it part. doesn't yeah, it doesn't get cold yeah. enough to have fun here. That's the problem. You're like you're like twenties or thirties. It's like it like we're not that much farther north, but in Kansas City, it's like twenties or thirties in the middle of winter. You're like, yeah, it's not too bad today. And I'm sure up where you're at, you're like, hey, it's above zero. Yeah, twenties <laughs> and thirties is like a nice day. Like we consider that at night. Like this past weekend, we we're up on Lake of the Woods, and we're like, it's twenty five today. Like I'm out there in like a long sleeve shirt. Like this is beautiful. Because <laughs> because this weekend up there, the high is like negative twenty on one of the days. Right. That's so is high. it is it like is it windy out there on the lake? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you have nothing blocking it. You're on the middle of a lake. There's you no know, snow drifts. There's yeah. No, it can get very windy. So like if if you're out 12 miles or you know that that far out on the lake and a, a storm hits, like people get stranded <laughs> because the roads that they plow get snowed over with big drifts, and they spend all night and all next day trying to get a road plowed out to some of these people to get them out of there. So like last year, I'm like, was that happened? A big storm came in. People got stranded there for like two three days. Dang. What you're saying is make sure you take plenty of provisions. So two or three days worth of beer. Yes. And maybe maybe a sandwich or two. Yes. Yeah. And maybe some propane to make sure your 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 heater keeps going. But beer is priority <laughs> one, obviously. Right. So I had I had a friend that, that told me this when we were we were gonna go float down the river uh here in Oklahoma and we were trying to decide what to put in the ice chest, you know, because we had limit limited capacity. Yep. And his his advice was beer has food value. But food does not have beer value. Bingo. So, might be the second smartest thing Jeff's ever said. <laughs> Those are the words we live by. <laughs> words we live by. Yep. Yep. Um, I have one more question about the true coach. Do you have uh, Do you have anybody doing it from other countries, like for Ipsic stuff? I believe so. I think we. I have a few from Canada right now. Um, I. That's all I know of right now. I have to go through my clients and, and see where people are from. Cause they do, they, I think they do put in there where they are. But right now I think Canada was the only Ipsic I remember seeing right now. Well, I hope you get some more, maybe you'll get some more out of this episode. Cause I know we have some listeners in, uh, all over the world. We got yeah. A few. That'd be great. That'd be great. So, yeah. I, would, I think it'd be really cool if you could get some, some guys from Sweden or something from yes. our 3%. We have 3% Sweden listeners. Have you awesome. checked recently? I bet it's up to like 4% now. Shout out to the Swedish people. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, that's all I got. You got oh, anything else? I got, I got one more thing. So this is the spot where Casey is going to tell us where all the 9mm ammo went off. Right now? <laughs> oh, wait. I got one more question. Let's let uh, let's let Casey tackle the 
the natural talent question. We can't. We can't then, not have the natural talent question. Then oh, all right. All right. Then he'll circle back to where all the nine millimeter ammo is. Okay. Right. Yeah. So just give us natural talent. Is it a thing? Is it not? What's your perspective? How do you feel about that? So natural talent, when it comes to a specific sport, I don't think exists. I think, uh, I think in general, it doesn't, it's, it's very limited. So like, for example, like shooting, like if someone have natural talent and just shooting, I don't really think there's not much to that. I think some people maybe have a little more hand-eye coordination. Like, like when it comes to like the very basics of like hand-eye coordination, um, just their, you know, how their body's laid out. For example, like for, like for me, like I could never be a professional football player, no matter how good, like I'm, my body's just not built to be a linebacker. I probably would never be a linebacker in the NFL. So maybe that, I don't know if that's considered natural talent. That's just like genetics in a way of the body composition. But in, according to this sport, like I think hand-eye coordination, has, you could probably have some of that as natural talent, but like the actual skills of the sport and like just being a good shooter, I don't really think exist. I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't really seen it in any sport I've played where natural talent just overtakes it. I think the guys who put in the most work and, and work hard are the ones who always do the best. Yeah. That's fair. Fair answer. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look the at the right answer, yeah, if you look at anybody in the top 10 in any division, just in USPSA, all those guys put in an immense amount of work. Like there's, there's no one who's just like, half-assing it and not putting yeah. much work in like all the guys put in the same amount of work and there's no one who could, there's no one that could get away with just like not doing it and, and winning national titles it just doesn't happen yeah i agree all right there you go natural talent according to casey reed is in the books now where where are all the where can people find their nine millimeter ammo and primers in my basement i'm hoarding <laughs> all of it so every single nine mil and primer that gets made goes to right to my basement i have a semi-truck coming every single day this gets (laughs) dropped off my basement so everyone's worst nightmares (laughs) on all the forums is true yes all true yes casey reed is hoarding it yes you guys are just hoarding it that's you're not sharing it with us you're just hoarding it and i don't even shoot nine mil right now i'm shooting limited shooting 40 so how does that make you guys feel (laughs) (laughs) glorious well my my original plan was i was just gonna have him cut it off right there like as soon as you started talking but i think that answer is better i think we'll just leave it in the show (laughs) all right well thanks for tuning in everybody uh check out true coach and casey reed shooting check us out on social medias and you got any last words casey no thank you guys for having me on i really appreciate it it was a good time yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, we Jared? appreciate you. Uh, I'm I'm all finished up, Casey. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, good yep. talking with you. We'll sure I'll see you at uh, a few matches this year. Yep, absolutely. Alrighty, let's pinch it off. Oh, stop recording, damn it.